0: Amen. You can have a seat. I pray for Chris. He's watching right now online, I'm sure. And uh, he's not feeling well. And so it worked out really well that... Uh, did you guys disappear? It's getting dark all of a sudden. Huh? Anybody there? We've been having some issues today. But you know what? You can have issues, but you don't have to have issues. Amen? We can have technical issues. And I pray the screens work. And I pray everything. But you know what? Here's the thing. God, God nothing can stop God. Amen, nothing can stop God, unless you allow it. Ah, the lights are coming up. I'm beginning to see you guys. You guys look good. But we'll pray for Chris. He, uh, uh, he should be back next week. And, uh, but uh, uh, he's a little under the weather, been under the weather for about a week. And so uh, I want to say this. I, uh, I'm always torn because he's my son. <laughs> you know. But I'm just telling you, man, he loves you guys. He he does. He loves you guys. He loves the Lord. And him and Amanda both, I couldn't be more proud uh, of what they're doing and seeing them uh, loving you. And and I want to thank you for coming alongside and helping them. I learned in my 20s that you'll never become a great man or woman of God unless you're surrounded with people who are building you up and making you better. I'm just telling you. I've had so many people in my life uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at, and I still got a long ways to go. Uh, so you guys help, help him and Amanda, and help me as we go. Amen? Well, we're going to be talking about what's really happening in the world. What's really happening in the world, because uh, uh, most people don't know what's happening. Uh, the news people put their spin on it. Uh, our politicians put their thoughts on it. And I'm all uh, for news, and I'm all for politicians. I'm all for government and everything else. But there's a government that rules over all government amen and that's where we got to know what's really happening because if not we will be totally deceived you know we live in a world that's got all kinds of disasters uh, sometimes we make them do we not how many of you guys have had a disaster in your life and you were the author of it raise your hand <laughs> me too you know i wrote the book on it and so i can't really grab and complain because i caused it but there are disasters that happen there are natural disasters that happen and you know what? You can't do much about it. The only thing you can do is be warned. Uh, you, you, you can be made uh, aware of it. Uh, things uh, may not be prevented, but you can take caution and, as things approach. In 2008, it was in uh, Myanmar, which used to be called Burma. Uh, there was a cyclone, Nargis, that was coming. And for six days, they knew it was going to come up in the Indian Gulf there. And I've been there and on the coast there, uh, in Bangladesh and Myanmar and India, a lot of poverty, and, uh, but they knew it was coming. Now, you know what? We, we've got the weather channel, and, and they may not can tell you exactly where it's going to hit until it hits. But they can kind of, you know, they kind of give you, hey, here's where it could hit. If you're in those areas, you need to be cautious. You need to take, you know, prevention or whatever of what you need to do to play it safe. But for some reason, uh, it didn't happen. Matter of fact, here's what happened, is that 160 mile an hour winds hit, a 12-foot surge hit, and 138,366 people died. That's a lot of people, guys. That's a lot of people dying. And 2.5 million people lost their homes. Now you guys, could that have been prevented? Yes. Some of that could have been prevented. So here's what's, here's what's the backstory of this. Here's what really happened, is that, The military had taken over. They were governing, and for some reason, uh, they didn't warn enough. And and also, too, the the weather stations, you know, they they didn't have a lot happening. They didn't have a lot of satellites there and and towers to to know the way it should be communicated. Plus, only 3% of the people in that area had a cell phone. Now you can go pretty much everywhere, and like 80% of the people, they can get a cell phone. It may be free, but they, they got a cell phone. And so what really happened was there was just not enough warning. But I want to get, I read one true story of a guy. He said the day before we did get somewhat of warning, people came with bullhorns. You know, you see those people turn a you know, the button on, and and, and uh, they gave warning. But what can you do in 24 hours when you're living in poverty and everything else, and Probably have people there uh, have just bicycles and motorcycles. And, and so they had some warning. But this one guy said, most like me, we didn't heed to it. Because we'd heard warnings before. And we just thought, oh, it's just another warning. Uh, it's just probably another bad storm. But we didn't think anything like that. And so he didn't do anything about it. And he was fortunate that he lived. But many around him died. The reason why I share that is this. In the Bible, God warns his people you can read from Genesis to Revelation. God is a God who will warn. Have you ever uh, had something inside you and you know what it is, that just goes, something's not right, I shouldn't be doing this, or I shouldn't be going there. See, some of you are already nodding your head. That's God giving you a warning. Something's not right. It's a nudge. And you, you need to listen. You need to discern. Is that God or is that just me? But God, God, God will give those warnings. The reason why I share that is because we live in a culture right now that God has been giving warnings. He's been giving warnings. Here's where I believe we're at. I believe God has given us a warning. I believe part of the COVID, and COVID is still happening to some level, but I believe God has given warnings all throughout our nation, all throughout our world, but the church is not listening like it should. The church should be the people in the world who says, hey, this is what's going on, this is what's happening. But it seems like the church is too confused. Or maybe the church is just too busy in knowing what's going on. And I get it. You know, we all live in our own circle and that circle's moving fast, is it not? And there's things moving into our circle. And if we're not careful, all we know is what's happening in our unique circle. I think all of us would agree that our nation and our world is polarized. Very extreme. We know there's crisis All around. And and each crisis can be interpreted five different ways. You know, you can take the border crisis and and go, okay, what is it? Is it a crisis? Is it not a crisis? What's truly happening? And you can get some different perspectives on it. But you need to know, you need to be going, God, what's, what's really happening? We know that Russia and Ukraine, we know that probably a minimum of a half a million people have died in that war already. Been going on for almost two years and, and most of us, it's kind of like, okay, we don't keep up with it. I keep up with it every single day. I go to Russia news, Ukrainian news. Turkey has killed over a hundred thousand Armenians. Probably most of you didn't even know that. But you don't hear a whole lot about that. Yemen, I think we're, we're, we're hearing a little bit about Yemen because we're more afraid of of, of our supply chain being reduced and, and our supply chain increasing in price. But look what's happening in Yemen. They're shooting left and right. I, I read this morning in Yemeni, Yemeni news and, and what's happening. We saw yesterday the, the one uh, cargo ship that was hit and is still on fire. Sudan, four to 500,000. And I've been to Darfur. I've been to Sudan. I have seen it. I have seen grenade launchers pointing in my face and machine guns in my face. I've seen villages still on fire. But we kind of we don't pay much attention to what's happening in Sudan, Syria, hundreds of thousands of people, the Congo, Colombia, Nigeria. You know, I get Nigerian news is is weekly. Hundreds of people in Nigeria are being slaughtered because they're Christians. These are our brothers and sisters. And we can go on and on and on and on. There's over 100 million refugees in the world. By the grace of God, we're not one of those. Some of you may have been at one point in time. And so we see what's happening and you look at all kinds of different nations. I could go on and on and on, but there's one nation that we need to really be looking towards and that's Israel. Now I want to encourage you, whether you're live here or you're watching online, do everything you can not to listen to what I'm about to say through a political lens, and that's going to be hard. But you've got to do everything you can. Maybe every once in a while just slap yourself and like, go, OK, I'm thinking through, I'm thinking it through a political lens. What I'm going to give you is just Bible. I'm going to do everything I can. If I do share my opinion, I'll tell you, this is my opinion. But I'm going to do everything I can today not to give you my opinion. We're not here for my opinion. We're here to go, okay, what's the opinion of God? So whatever you think of Israel, whatever you know of Israel, you need to understand that the center of everything that's happening and what's gonna happen will be centered around one small, tiny, little nation called Israel. Now, I'm gonna make this very clear. This is not my opinion. It's just fact. When you read about the nation of Israel, uh, Israel has not always been very godly. Matter of fact, even today, Israel is not very godly. Matter of fact, those who are practicing Jews, they, they come in three camps. You, you got the extreme, uh, you, you got the orthodox, you got the reform, uh, but here's what they all have in, in, in agreement. They're anti-Jesus. Most of the people in Israel are not practicing spirituality. They're not. It's pretty much a secular nation. You got to understand that. And so God has his covenant. We're going to talk about that. God has his opinion. He, God's going to do something. He's going to fulfill his promise to Israel. But you've got to be careful because everything Israel does is not correct. And if you're not careful, you can read through it and blow the whole thing off. And I'm not here to get into what they're doing right or what they're not But if we want to know what's really happening, you have to do several things. One is look to the biblical signs. Look to biblical signs; they're right here. But you got to read. You got to be in the Bible. You got to listen to teaching, and you got to compare. You know this minor prophet to this minor prophet, and to the Book of Revelation, what's going on? Look to biblical signs. I'm going to give you a definition in just a moment. But God communicates in several ways. One is he, He will communicate through prophecy. Prophecy is just God foretelling history, whether it's through just a person saying something or whether it's getting in a book. But it's history, telling it history before it happens. is that amazing? See, God can do that. God lives outside of time. God already sees next week, next year, next month, 100 years, He and, and if he desires, he wants to, he can speak to a man or woman and say, hey, this is what's going to happen, and that person prophesies. <laughs> Prophecy is not just a guess. Prophecy is God just speaking to someone. Let me give you some stats. There are 8,352 Prophecies in the Bible—that's a lot of prophecies. Now you know what—we got people that that go and and say, "Hey, would you tell my future?" And I'll pay you this. I'll pay you that. I read this. I read that, and and they may get one right out of a thousand. You go, I'll I'll keep going back, and that's just really pretty much a guess most of the time. But don't you want to go to someone who can say, "Hey, there gives eight thousand three hundred fifty-two prophecies." And to date, so far, 6,312 have already happened. 6,312 have already happened. You go, what about the others? We just had, they will will be fulfilled too as time goes on. Because why? God can write history, and some of what's in the Bible is history foretold, and we call it prophecy. There were 300 prophecies about Jesus' first coming. 300. And when you read those, Every single one of them came true. Exactly. When he would come, where he'd be born, where he'd live. He'd be born in Bethlehem of Ephraim, because there was two Bethlehems at the time. That he'd go to Egypt. and I mean, on and on, 300. There are 1,500 plus, depending on who you read, 1,500 plus verses in the Bible, prophecies, that tell about Jesus' second coming. Now, I, I know I have your attention right now because you already go, wow, I didn't know there was that many prophecies. I, I didn't, didn't know they were all exactly true, and I didn't know there was 300 about Jesus' first coming, and they all came true. So if, if the first coming was totally true, don't you think his second coming will be totally accurate true? Well, let's talk about it then since you kind of want to know more about it. matter of fact, out of the 27 New Testament books, 23 of them talk about the second coming. There's more about the second coming than the first coming. That's why, I mean, I almost couldn't contain myself because I already know what I'm preaching on. I've been reading this and studying this and everything else. On that last song, when we were talking about, oh, hell, King Jesus. I'm like going, yeah. Because I know he's coming back. When he's coming back, he, he doesn't say. So we look to biblical signs. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3. And I'm going to come back probably in the fall, whenever we get to Mark chapter 13. I'm going to do two weeks on, on Mark 13, uh, Luke 21, and Matthew 24. All right. So I'm not going to try to cram it all in one week. But I want you to pick up there. It says here in verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, The disciples came to him in private. They were Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. We see that, find that in the other Gospels. Tell us when these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of these. Now, why would they ask that question? Because he'd already said, hey, look, that temple. One of the things that the Jewish people were most proud of was their temple. I've got a big, thick book just on the temple. It's amazing what they would do when they'd come to town early and, and they, they would show them the temple and escort them around the temple and explain the temple and the curtain and all the other things that would happen in the temple. And they were so excited about the temple because it was the, the mountain of God, the, the Holy of Holies. If you see your picture, it's higher. It's called the mount. We will go to the mountain of God. That's what that was, the mountain of God. That's where the presence of God would be. And But he said, hey, guys, I just want to let you know, uh, all this is going to be destroyed. There won't be one stone on top of another stone. And I've been there. I've seen the stones scattered all over the place. Now, that would get your attention, would it not? And so they say, what will be the what? The sign, there's that word again that we're going to talk about in a second, the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And when we get to Matthew and Mark and all that in a few months, will give you a little bit more what the Jewish people, their eschatology, their end times thinking was all about. So they knew there was going to be end time. They just didn't know what it was going to look like. They weren't even close. So Jesus gives them, get this, the longest answer that he ever gave on any question that anybody asked him. You say, how long was the answer? All of chapter 24 and all of 25. 25 was more about warning, be, be ready, be prepared, don't be surprised, be excited about the second coming. Amen? That, that would have been a good time. Okay? You're a little sleepy on me a, a little bit, but don't be too sleepy. So let me give you a definition of sign, because you said, what are the sign? A sign is a symbol that unveils a reality. Can you guys, I guess you had somebody go ahead and just see right through me. I guess I don't, I don't know how this works, okay? Uh, last time I see, was, was I think it was one over here and one over there, so I don't know whether to. Chris, can you call me real quick and tell me where I need to move because I know he's watching. But a symbol is, it's a symbol that unveils a reality. The Bible's got prophecies and symbols. Now, I'm a little slow. I just like prophecies. Just tell me. I, I don't want to figure out the riddle the rhyme, the symbol, but God speaks in symbols. He speaks in symbols. Matter of fact, in a moment, we're going to to get to Revelation chapter 12. Most of Revelation is symbols, and one symbol will interpret another symbol, and you got to understand some of the symbols in the Old Testament will help you with the symbols in the book of Revelation. So let me give you a a, a chart. Can we pop this chart up? It looks like everything's working so far. Wow, this is massive. I can almost be the dot on on the deal here. I can't give you the intensive. I know some of you guys know end times really well. I'm just going to try to give you a broad you know, swath of where we're at. I do know where we're at. Now, some of you go, I know where we're at. We're at Southern High School. We are, but what about in time? We're here, what the Bible calls the church age. When you open up the book of Revelation, uh, chapters two and three, it goes, talks about the seven churches. We are still in the church age. Those who were Jewish, who lived in the Old Testament, that was a mystery. Paul talks about that in Ephesians. It was a mystery. They never thought there would be a church or a church age. And so we live in this church age, but the church age will end. When will it end? I don't know. But it will end right here, the rapture of the church. Now I know some people are in difference of opinion. Some think the ch- rapture happens in the middle hey i'm the teacher this morning i'm giving you what i think the bible says and you can you can i would just say this you you better be ready either way all right i'm not here i'm not here to argue with you but i don't think i think if we did get into an argument you would hope i'm right amen i i the rapture of the church so that could happen this afternoon this It could happen right now. There's nothing in the Bible that says it has to come before the rapture. Now you say, what well, is the rapture? You can read in 1 Thessalonians. The rapture is the is the catching away of those who are in Christ. That means if it were to happen here in 20 minutes and 17 seconds, because I hope it happens after my message, but, but <laughs> it, if it were to happen right now, we would be... Transformed in a twinkling eye. My wife's been praying for that for years, okay? That'd be transformed in a twinkling eye. Not in believe, but transformed, okay? Some of you didn't get that. All right? And but Jesus doesn't come to earth. We meet him in the sky. We we meet him in the the second heaven. And and so when that happens, now everything's gonna, now we have no Christians in the world. And so now what happens is you have the beginning of sorrows. This is all, you know, Daniel's 70th week here, okay? Uh, The the beginning of sorrows is horrible. So I don't want you to think, okay, well, the first three and a half years aren't too bad, but it gets really bad here. No, it gets worse, but it's all bad. Go read Daniel, the book of Daniel, and read the Revelations and all that. But somewhere right right in the middle is the answer Christ is going to come into the Jewish temple right here, right in the middle of this, and he's going to set himself up to say, hey, I expect you to worship me. Do you know that everything right now that's happening, well, I won't say everything, but most of what's happening right now is preparing for a one world government so that he can be set up to to be worshiped, for him to rule and reign. There'll be one man running this world. We'll talk about it in a minute. And so that happened. I've heard people say, well, uh, why is all this? We'll talk more about it in a moment, but it's God's wrath being poured out. It's, it's, it's predominantly for Israel to be uh, prepared, be cleansed to receive her Messiah. But also, too, uh, the dragon that we're going to talk about in a moment, the, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet and everything, is going to come against, and he's going to be madder, and i get out. He's going to be madder in hell. And he hadn't even been to hell yet. Do you know that? The devil hadn't been to hell yet. You know, I didn't know. He will someday. And so all this will take place and it'll go on for you know, seven years. But then the return of Christ, yeah, he'll come on a white horse and we'll be coming on horses with him. Amen? So that will happen there. Then there'll be a thousand year reign. That means Jesus will rule and reign guess where he will rule and reign from? Anybody want to make a guess? Tim, you know where it's at, right? What's the name of the city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You say, what if there's no Jerusalem? <laughs> what do you mean? there's no there, There'll be always be a Jerusalem. So for a thousand years now, during this time, the devil, he will not be here. There'll still be grace happening. There'll be many people coming to know the Lord. You got the, the uh, 144,000. You got the two uh, witnesses. You you you've got the angel going all around the world preaching, and proclaiming everything. Uh, so there'll be people getting saved here, but uh, to, that will go into this millennial here. And so you have a millennial. But guess where the devil will be? He'll be in the bottom of this pit for a thousand years. Now you know he's he's pretty mad right now. And by the way, I want you to know this. You going? Do you ever have that thought? Go, well, we don't need to say that because we don't want him to know. We don't want the devil to know. The devil already knows. <laughs> The devil already knows. I'm telling you, the devil knows the Bible better than anybody in this room. And he knows the interpretation of the Bible better than anyone in this room, including myself. He just, he just twisted to mess with you. And so, so you'll have a thousand year reign right in here. He'll be released for a short time. There'll be another battle, Gog and Magog battle, not, not the big one, but the small one. And then he'll be slammed up. For eternity at the lowest of the lowest place in hell. All right? That that's that's that. You got it in your kind of your mind. We may pop it back up. We gotta run really fast now. We talk about symbols. There are three symbols that we won't talk about this morning. The first one is the woman. The woman. You go, John, I don't follow. You just got to talk about the Antichrist. Now you're talking about women and all that kind of stuff. It'll make sense. If you have your Bible, open up to Revelation chapter 12. If you don't, it'll be on the screen behind me there. The woman. Let's pick up here. And a great sign, a great sign. In other words, a mega sign. This word sign is mentioned seven times in the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, it's mentioned four times just in chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman. Here we go, a woman. Now when you read through Revelation, there are four women. We don't have time to go into the other three, uh, but right here, uh, this is the second. The first one was Jezebel, uh, but it says a woman clothed, with the sun, with the moon, and under her feet, and on her head, a crown and 12 stars. Now, that's a unique looking woman, right? You say, Who is this woman? In my opinion, it's very, very easy who this woman is. This woman represents Israel. It's Israel. It's not the church, it's Israel. Matter of fact, if you want to say, How do you know that? this afternoon, go look at Genesis chapter 37. Pick up at verse 9 when Joseph is having his dream. His dream is almost exactly this way, except for instead of having 12 stars, there's 11, because Joseph is the one of the ones that they're bound down to. So, so you see, and we'll talk about who these 12 stars are. And it says in verse 2, she was pregnant. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth, <coughs> birth pains and agony of giving birth. This was hundreds and hundreds of years. This is Israel. Remember, God chose Israel. Matter of fact, in 1948, some of you were alive. I was, I'm not that old, so some of you are going, what was it like in 1948? I don't know. I'm glad I can say that, all right? But in 1948, after 1,900 years of no official Israel, She was reborn again in a day, 1948. That was one bad day for the devil. Because remember, he don't know exactly the time, but he knows signs and he knows everything. He's going, ooh, getting closer to my demise. But it's also getting closer to what God wants to do. Uh, There are four unconditional promises in the Bible. So you go, here's my opinion about Israel and and Palestine and all that. Let me just give you, I will give you my opinion. God loves the Jews. He loves the Palestinians. We're to love the Jews, and we're to love the Palestinians. Matter of fact, there's only 2% of people in Israel that are even born-again Christians, and 75% of those are Arab, Palestinians. There are very few Jewish Christians in, in Israel. We're pro-both, amen? We're pro-both. I'm not gonna go much deeper in how, how all this stuff is working out. You know, you got your opinion, I got my opinion, but we're gonna be pro-both. But we gotta understand that Israel was deeded by the one who owns the earth. And this was an unconditional promise. And God never breaks his promise. Now throughout the Bible, God gives conditional promises to Israel. But we we see there that she is all through birth pains, Israel. What I'm trying to get at is the enemy, the devil has always tried to destroy Israel. Did you hear what it said? You can read through the Old Testament, read through history. The enemy's always tried, and we're going to pick up more about that in a moment. So we need to understand the first person is the woman. The second symbol is the dragon, the dragon. Look what it says in verses 3 and 4. And another sign, a big sign, appeared in heaven. Behold, he said, pay attention, guys, a great red dragon. This dragon is mentioned 13 times. Sometimes it's different names for him. Leviathan, that, that's another name. But the dragon's a dragon, whatever you want to call him. He's mean, he's wicked, he's ugly, he's a deceiver, he's a slanderer. He's all that. He was once a cherub. He was in charge of worship and everything. But we read that he, he fell, we'll get into that in just a second. But, but a great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. That's a weird looking dragon. But we got to understand, there is, there's a great meaning behind all this. And then it says, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Now, you, you can read more about this Old Testament, but what happened was Lucifer wanted to be like God. He wanted to be in the image of God and everything else. And he, he, he wanted to be ruler and reign. He, he wanted the glory, and he decided, okay, no, I, I'm going to rebel against this. And so when you see a third here, a third of the angels fell, now they're evil demonic spirits. You ever wondered how many angels and demons there are? I don't know how many there are, but there are hundreds and hundreds of millions because we do know in the end times that there'll be 200 million rise up from the Euphrates River area. 200 million, that's a lot. Plus prior to that, I believe it's in Revelation 9, that out of the pit, that there'll be more evil spirits released. There are many right now in the world, but remember this, there's, there's, there's many more angels. In one sense, it really don't even matter if there's only one angel. Because greater what is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It only takes God. The devil ain't a God. The dragon ain't a God. He's, he's a created being. And, and it said uh, with seven heads and ten horns. And if you want to know what that is, I want to go quickly. Uh, you can look with me over in Revelation chapter 17, verse 10. This will interpret what's, what he's saying here in Revelation 12. It says, and they they also, uh, seven kings, five of whom have fallen. Now, this is also mentioned over in Daniel. You go, okay, let me explain. He said, the seven kings, five of them have fallen. This, This is world governments. Now, let me just slide this in. God ordains government, but the enemy tries to do everything he can to work through governments. So when people go, it's the will of God that this person lead. No, no, not necessarily. I don't think it's the perfect will of God that Putin leads and and the guy in North Korea. I can't remember his name, but uh, you know. But God has a permissive will, and if people want to, you know, allow that to happen in their nation, they can't. But He's always trying to squeeze into government because if He can change government, work in the government, He He can bring down a nation, and and that's what He tries to do. And so you go, well, who who were these five? Okay, see if I can remember. Uh, Egypt. I can see the map in my Egypt, Syria, uh, the Babylonians. Uh, the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks. Now listen what he says here. So those are the five. So you got to jump back when he's writing this in like 95 AD. He said, okay, uh, five have fallen. One is, I just like that, one is. What is the one is? It's Rome. At this writing, it was Rome. But then Rome falls. Now then he says, the other has not yet come. He has not yet come. It has not yet come. And when it does come, he must remain only a little while. There's going to be in that chart, I won't go back to the chart, but during that tribulation time, that seven years, there's going to be the final one. So let's read here. It says, and ten horns. The ten horns. Now, the ten horns represent in the end times when this Antichrist rises up, There'll be either 10 nations, 10 regions. We don't know exactly what all that looks like, but there'll be 10, but they will be ruled and reigned under this antichrist, this false prophet. So you see, see where he's going with this? That ought to give you more and more confidence. God, God knows what's going to happen. We're, we're, we're awaiting, you know, the one is is gone, now, now, but there's one that will be arising. And we're seeing all around. I think there are people in the world that have great motives for a one-world government. I I do. But then I think there's some who have a totally wicked reason for a one-world government. And I think there's a lot that just don't know. But there's gonna be a one-world government ruled by this dragon someday. So let's go back to 12 there. It says, And his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might what? Devour it, devour it. He's trying to destroy Israel. Now this woman is gonna have a child, which leads us to the third symbol. Uh, you say, John, you skip verses seven and 10. I may come back and hit in a minute. Uh, you're not listening fast enough, so I'm running out of time. Uh, the child, although we did start 10 minutes late, okay? Uh, the child. That was the third one. Look what it says in verse five. She gave birth to a male child. Anybody want to guess who that child is? Come on. Jesus. Jesus. There we go. Jesus. I'm not trying to trick you, all right? I wouldn't do that. I don't think I would. Shouldn't. But yeah, she gave, Israel gave birth. The church didn't give birth to Jesus. Israel gave birth. Without Israel, we'd have no Jesus. And it says here that he tried to devour Israel. Now he's trying to devour the child. One is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. What what does that mean, caught up? It means, here's what's happening in this verse. You're going back. We went back thousands of years, hundreds of, well, not hundreds, thousands, thousands of years. Now we're jumping forward again. Now we're jumping back because right here, when he's talking about, he's got caught up. That was his ascension. 40 days after he died, that's his ascension. You can get a headache reading chapter 12, okay? I'm just telling you right now because he goes back and forth and you got to know where you're at. So you need to understand those symbols. Let's look at the next thing. Let's look to the struggle. Let's look to this struggle that's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Let's go back to 4B and it said, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her, he might devour it. All through history, listen, the dragon knew that there had to be a lineage all the way back to Abraham. And so what's he do? Two times it got down to only one male child that qualified in the limit, lineage. One. So he's, all, he's going through, hey, I want to destroy Israel. I want, I want to destroy this lineage because if I can destroy the lineage, guess what? Then Jesus can't come. But thank God he, he didn't win. And so she gave birth, verse five, she gave birth to rule all the nations, verse six. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she was, has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished 1,260 days. All right, we're gonna do another mental headache right here. We just talked about the birth of Jesus. Hey, can we put up that chart again? I know we can, you guys are good back there. Let's put up that chart again. What is this 1,260 days here and everything? What's gonna happen in the middle of this, because that's 1,260 days on both sides. What's going to happen here is Israel is going to be attacked at the abomination right of desecration. Some are going to remain, because they're going to be so deceived, but there's some who are going to get out. And many believe that they're going to go to Petra. I don't know if it's going to go to Petra, but it's going to be in that region. We do know that, because it says "flee to the mountains. Matter of fact, that's pretty much what Matthew chapter 24 is talking about. Hey, pray it don't happen on the Sabbath. Pray it don't happen in winter and and all that kind of supreme You're not pregnant, and, you know, and if you are on the rooftop, don't go try to get everything out. Don't, don't try to fill up your U-Haul. Just get the heck out of there and go to the mountains. So we know they're not going west because it's the sea. We know they're not going north because that's where the enemy's coming from, and we know they're not, coming from, they're not going south because that's what the desert is. So it's got to be somewhere around the Dead Sea here in those mountains of Petra, but he said, uh, but here's what's so cool in this struggle. There'll be a, a f- phenomenal struggle, but it says here, God will... Miraculously, supernaturally, nourish them. Go read the story about you know when Pharaoh and you know was trying to take all the straw and everything, and, and God was putting all these uh, uh, plagues, but none of it was happening in Goshen. It was dark in Egypt, but it wasn't dark in Goshen. God can do that. You know, it can be dark over here, but it can be light right here where Big Boy is. Amen. Amen. Come on, you got to be more excited than that. Hey, stand up just for a second. Just do this. You guys are way too sleepy. No, 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 stand up. Just do this. Somebody, if you make me stand up, I'm walking out. All right, come on. You can do that. Come on. You can do that. Come on. Okay. This is for your benefit, guys. It's for our benefit. If God can do what he's doing here. I mean, with all the chaos that's happening in the world, stars are falling, you know, fires are happening. I mean, unbelievable chaos around the world, but God's going to take this remnant group of Israel and he's going to place them over here and he's going to protect them and he's going to provide for them. Amen? Just want to make sure you got it. So if he can do that then and he's done it other times, he can do it for me and you. There can be tough times in our nation and tough times are coming. I'm just telling you, tough, tough, tough times are coming. Don't sit on your laurels and think, well, we made it through. No, 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 we ain't made it through yet. We will. All right, let's jump over to verses 12 through 17. If you want to get everything, go listen to Montgomeryville's last week because I just went over time and covered everything. I, I'm just not going to do it this morning. Let's pick up verse 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is what? Short. Now remember, when we're talking right here, we're in the, we're in the tribulation. He's not talking about now. He's talking about the tribulation. And the enemy knows when we get here, his time is short. He already knows his time is short. But when you get there, it's going to be super short. So if he knows his time is short, what would you do if he were him? He knows he can't win the battle, but he's going to cause as much destruction in the world as he can. He's going to cause as much destruction on you as much as he can. He's turning up the heat. See, we gotta understand, there is a war going on in the heavenlies. Remember I told you a moment ago that, you know, I didn't read all the verses, but you, you can read them and trust me, is that when he fell, when he sinned and he took a third of the angels with him who became demons and evil spirits, whatever you want to call them, they lost their position. Hang that, write that down. They lost their position, but they didn't lose their access, whether it's literal Throne, but he does not, he did not lose his access to the heavens, heavenlies. That's how he can accuse us night and day before the Father. Now, I don't understand all that. Tim Buck can explain that all to you, okay? I, I, don't, I don't understand it all. But you know what he's doing right now? He's doing everything he can to slander you and accuse you and say, you know, you ought to take their salvation away. Well, they don't deserve this. But here's what's going to eventually happen Michael, the archangel, And this dragon are going to get in a war, and he's going to lose his access somewhere. I I think it's somewhere in the middle of that tribulation, but he's going to lose his access, and he's going to turn up the heat even more. So what's going to happen, Primary where where the devil is fighting right now, Primary where he's at, he's in this area, way up here, but he's got demonic soldiers down here on the earth where he's at, but he's going to lose his battle with Michael, and he's going to be slammed up to earth only. That's why it's going to be more heat. It's going to be worse than ever before. So if he couldn't destroy the child, what do you think he's trying to do now? He's trying to destroy, catch this. this you want to know what's happening right now? You got to get this. He couldn't destroy the child Jesus. He's still, he's still trying to do everything he can to destroy Israel. So he thinks that if he can destroy Israel, and he's cracked. if he could, if he can destroy Israel and there's no Israel and there's no Jerusalem, Jesus can't come back and reign for the second time. Aha, that's why he's ticked off. That's why he's coming against the Jews like never before. Yeah. Guess what? He's not going to destroy Israel. Are a lot of Israelites going to die? Yes. They are dying now. Is there going to be a lot of damage? Yeah. I just saw this morning. They're, they're up in the war there on the Lebanese-Syrian border. That's what you got to understand. That there is a warfare going on for the world, for, for the nation of Israel. That's why we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. That's why it's almost it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What is the peace of Jerusalem? When all this is over and Jesus comes and says, you know what? I'm going to rule and reign with a rod right here from Jerusalem. Right on the mount. Right there on Mount Moriah. So he used Pharaoh. He used Haman. He used Herod. He used the Inquisitions. You can go on and on and on and on. Stalin, Hitler. It's just another battle trying to wipe out the Jewish people. Let's go to the last point. I'm finished, finished. I'm not as bad as I thought it was. Let's look to our strength. All this is to warn you and give you understanding of, of what's happening, that there is a war going on right now. And guys, listen, I God ordains government, and I, I pray for our government. But if you think our hope is in our government, you're in trouble. I'm just telling you, I feel for you. I think our, now this is my opinion, based on what I see. I think our overall government, I'm not talking about one person. I'm talking about our overall government, local, state, national, worldwide, global, pretty much does not have a clue. I mean, I saw the other day where we may be selling F-16s Fighter jets to Turkey. I'm going, do we understand where Turkey is at in the end times? Do we not understand that Turkey and Iran and Russia and, and Libya, uh, a few other nations, they're going to come against Israel and we're going to sell them? I mean, you just go, third grader ought to figure that one out. Now, I understand there's politics behind a lot of stuff, so I understand but I want, to, I want to bring us back. Guys, there is a war going on and we need to be strong. We need to be stronger than ever before. I spent half of yesterday just reading the Bible, memorizing scriptures, memorizing truth. Matter of fact, I even got scriptures on my socks. Someone get, I got some free socks as we got a scripture on. We need to be stronger. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation twelve eleven. Revelations 12, 11. And they, talking about those who were in the tribulation. I can't imagine living in the tribulation. I can't even imagine. If you compile all the worst of the worst of the worst in the history of the world and combine it all in seven years, I, the seven years would still be worse than what's happened in all the catastrophes and battles and wars in the history. It says, So here's what it said they did. Here's how they survived. And they conquered him by what? The blood. They conquered him by the what? The blood. Guys, it's the blood. It's only the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us clean. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us whole. He was the perfect sacrifice. You know, sometimes people go, well, who killed Jesus? Was it the Jews or the Romans? No, the Father killed him. Go read Zechariah. He was foreordained to die before there was Romans and Jews and everything. Yeah, there was Romans there and there's Jews, but it it was the Father God. Why would Father God do that? Because he wanted to give the only blood that could cover us and strengthen us. That's the blood of Jesus. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And by what? The word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. You know, the word of their testimony is not just how they got saved. It's how they're staying with Jesus. You know, we're not saved by enduring, but saved people endure. Did you hear what I said? People that are saved, they will endure. That's why when you look around sometimes, most churches, if they have 1,000 members, they might have 300 that you can count. Why? Because many didn't endure. The reason why they didn't endure it? probably were not really true Christians. Maybe they just made an emotional decision or felt bad that one day about their sin and felt guilty, but they never really gave their life and their will and surrendered to Jesus Christ. It says here, it was by the blood and it's by the word of their testimony. Let's look over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians 3, 16. And while you're doing that, I was over in New York City about two weekends ago for a couple of day training. About 70 international pastors, well, they're church planters, because that's my other role that I have. But uh, I loved it. I love being around international guys. Every single one of them, when you started hearing their testimony, I didn't hear them all, but I heard enough. Every one of them said, I came to America because God called me to be, be a missionary to America. Amen. Do we not need missionaries to come to our nation? We do. We need more. Bring them on. And the guy that was leading said, hey, you don't, don't let the American church change you. You bring what you brought from your nation. And, but on and on and on, and I was listening to, I was sitting in front of one guy. He, he was from the Philippines, and, and we were meeting at his church, and we had all these ladies. They cooked us breakfast. I mean, man, the breakfast was awesome, and lunch, it was, it was good. All these ladies are probably in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. You say, how do you know? I, I, I guess. No, I didn't guess. He told me. He said, You see that lady over there? She's 82, and this lady over there, she's 78. Every one of them have been to Afghanistan. I go, What? They've all been to Afghanistan? Yeah, we took them to Afghanistan. The guy beside me said, well, How do they afford it? He goes, I told them to cash out some of their retirement. You, you don't know how long you're going to live. You may not even get your retirement, but we got an open door to Afghanistan right now. So cash some of that in. I'm like, Whoa, is that not radical? These ladies were strong enough in the Lord that they said, you know what? I'm willing to leave and risk my life. I'll go to Afghanistan. Guys, listen, let me tell you what God's doing. He's just asking us probably to go across the street or go across the cubicle or whatever to share Jesus. Ephesians 3, 16. Is it on the screen? Yeah, that according. I wish I had one that was long sticks. That That according. I like that. That's a good good place to start. According not according to John's riches, not according to your riches. But it says that according to the riches of what his glory, he may grant you to be what? Strengthened. I love and Then it really caps off in verse 20. I don't have time to go there. But it says strengthened with power what? through what his his spirit in your what? Inner beam. Paul, you know Paul is writing this. Where do you guess Paul's writing this from? Prison. Yep, there you go. He's writing from prison, but he's writing it to some believers in Ephesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. Who probably should be sending that letter right there? The ones in Ephesus sending it to Paul in prison. But Paul's in prison going, hey, don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm content. I may be in prison here, but I'm praying for you that according to the rich of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. Don't be discouraged with me with what's happening to me. Guys, I'm telling you, you need to memorize that verse, and I'm going to help you put it in truth. So if we can go to the next part, truth here. Because, guys, listen, you can memorize a scripture, but if you don't appropriate it, it's just words. you got to appropriate it. you got to apply it. you got to rest in it. You got, you got to get it in this brain here you got to get it a neural pathway that just it just pops up real fast empowered by the Holy Spirit you go John you guys talk about this every week yes so here Holy Spirit with your help based upon the truth found in Ephesians 3:16 I will live daily in the strength of the Holy Spirit amen amen let's just say it real quickly I know these guys got to play a song here in a minute. But uh, Holy Spirit, with your help, come on, one, two, three. Holy Spirit, with your help, based upon the truth found in Ephesians three sixteen. I will live daily in the strength of this Holy Spirit. It means you got to get up, you got to get in the word, you got to rely upon the Holy Spirit to do all this. True story. Can't even pronounce his name, but it tastes serious today. He was—he's an ex-terrorist. He—he—he he, he was with uh, Yasser Arafat. Half of you are too young. You going, Yasser who? Is that a restaurant? You can read up on, on history, but that's who he's with. He kept coming against Israel and kept did a lot of bad things, I'll just say that. But he kept going, why are we losing? Why, why are, we're stronger, we got better military, we got everything else. Why do we keep losing and they keep winning these little battles? And he began to pray and he became, he, he came to know Jesus Christ. Extremist, terrorist, Palestinian guy. The reason why I share the story is he shared a story a couple of weeks ago. Just one story. A hundred people in Gaza had the same exact God dream about Jesus, and every one of them gave their life to Jesus. Now, let me tell you why I'm saying that. In the midst of what's happening, and there's a lot of horrendous, horrible stuff, God is moving. God is moving. But here's what God wants to do. He wants to strengthen me and you. And right now I want to tell you something. We need to be stronger. Because some of you are already entered in nap time and it ain't even one o'clock yet. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We prayed that prayer. Did we not? I hope you prayed it. You said it. Let's receive it. Amen. I want you to put your hands out just like this. I'm going to lead you to prayer, but it's got to be in your heart. It's got to be in your will. I can't surrender for you, but I can surrender for me. And I've already surrendered this morning and I want to continue to surrender. I want you to say right there where you're at, Holy Spirit, you can say it out loud, you can say it solidly, I don't care. Holy Spirit, I need your strength. I ask you now to come up on me with great power right now. Holy Spirit, clothe me with great power right now. Holy Spirit, baptize me. I want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit right now. And I want to be strong so I can be on mission with you. Right there where you're at. You just receive that power, but you get up every day. You get in the Word and you just say, Holy Spirit, be strong in me. Be strong on me. Be strong around me. Amen? You can put your hands down. And let's worship the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.